0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Mo H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March the 6th. Today, we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 33 in the third paragraph, to be gravely affected, and we're reading through two paragraphs ending within a few weeks. Today's readers are Liz T. for the 12 Steps, Marilyn T. for the 12 Traditions, Elaine T., Sherry K.B., and Kathy Jo P. The reference number uh, for yesterday, uh, the Share ID for Monday, March 5th, the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 11,123. That is 11123. One, and for this morning's meeting, Tuesday, March 6, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, is 11,125 or 11125. And our newcomer greeter is Melanie C. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees, remember,
1: Good morning. This is Liz T. Recovering Compulsive Overeater. Can you hear me okay?
0: Yes, I can.
1: Okay, great. Thanks for your service this morning. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles
0: in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Liz T. I will now ask Marilyn T. to read the 12
2: traditions. This is Marilyn T., grateful recovering overeater in California. May I be heard? Yes, you may. Yes, you are. Thank you. The 12 traditions, one, our common welfare should come first, personal recovery, depends upon OA, excuse me, AA unity, I apologize. Two, for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the OA requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four. Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five. Each group has but one primary purpose to carry the message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six. An AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven. Every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Was, I apologize, it was non-professional. Nine, AA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards to or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. With that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Marilyn. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page 33, starting with the third paragraph, Take, uh, to be gent- gravely affected, and reading through two paragraphs, ending on page 34, ending within a few weeks. And I will now ask Elaine T. to begin our reading.
3: Hi, Mo. Thank you. Um, can I be heard? Yes, you can. This is Elaine T., recovered compulsive overeater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time, nor take the quantity some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into real, the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain drinkers would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics, are astonished at their inability to stop. We, who are familiar with the symptoms, see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try to get them to see it. As we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him leave liquor alone for one year. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. In the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remain sober for a year or more, becoming serious drinkers again later. Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. We think few to whom this book will appear can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolution, most of them within a few weeks." Wow. Um, I started my eating career at a very young age. I remember uh, stealing frozen cookies out of the freezer um, at about five. And um, by the time I was in school, while I was not at that point um, obviously overweight, um, I knew I couldn't stop, and by the time my parents were telling me to stop, I, I couldn't stop for more than a day. Um, I reacted in anger, self-pity, and defiance against anyone who wanted to change me. I wanted to be accepted as I was. I didn't need changing, and that behavior kept going until I was in my 40s um, and came into this program um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have um experienced this program at that age, although I wasn't able to stay stopped even then somewhere along the line. I missed the idea of ten eleven and twelve, and I was working the steps, but I was not working anything past um nine. I was working the food, I was working the tools I was working sponsors. <laughs> I tried everything, but I never left the rooms because I knew in my heart of hearts this was the place to be. And finally, God brought me to vision, and I am uh, abstinent in recovery just for today, depending on my spiritual condition, and I definitely work on keeping that fit. Um, And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Elaine T. And I will now um ask for those who would like to share on this on this reading. Ginger C. Ginger C. Melanie C. Melanie C, thank John you. John K.
4: John
0: K. Any others like to share on this uh, reading on page 33 to 34? Sherry KB. Sherry
2: KB. Marilyn T. Pardon me, I didn't get that. Marilyn T. Marilyn? Yes. Okay.
0: Wendy M. Wendy M. All right, I think we'll stop there. We have Ginger C., Melanie C., John K., Sherry K. B., Marilyn T., and Wendy M. Ginger C., you're up, followed by Melanie C.
5: Hi. Good morning, Mo. Thank you so much for your service and everyone that's on the line. Ginger C. recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And um, to be gravely affected, and I just, the definition for gravely is to a degree that gives cause for alarm. And absolutely, you know, this eating and every beautiful bite that I had to take absolutely was giving cause for alarm. Because as this disease progressed, I got more and more suicidal, and yet I couldn't stop eating the bites. And I knew that I'm only suicidal when I eat sugar. I've known this for a long time, but yet that's how insane I am. I kept going back to that bite, knowing exactly where it would take me. So, yes, gravely affected and causing huge alarm because my greatest thought at the end, before I surrendered completely to this disease that was out to kill me, was to go for a car ride that would never leave the garage. That's where it took me. So again, I am so grateful for every beautiful bite because until you can feed to your innermost self and there are no lurking notions whatsoever, someone called me the other day wanting to work with me and was having to be almost convinced about her food addiction. And I was like, you need more research. We shouldn't have to be talking about this. You know, when I showed up finally willing to go to any lengths, I would have done anything my sponsor said. I was so defeated. I was flat as a pancake on the sidewalk, and I was scared for my life. so I just pray that today's pain's enough that you put the food down and you dive into this work because this big book is unbelievable, and the miracles that can happen for you. but you know, I just love this last sentence too. I was just reading it with another sponsor about um you know that we we will uh, we'd be really lucky if we could do an hour and we'd probably be back within a few weeks. I'd say within a few minutes how many times I would wake up that morning determined not to eat today because I knew where it was taking me and I had to stop and it would be within minutes. I'd be at Starbucks getting my cake pops and my Frappuccino. That was my breakfast of champions and I did that over and over and over. So again, I'm so grateful that I finally got convinced from every bite I took because where I live and what I do today, it's all because of this higher power, but it is unbelievable, and I wouldn't trade it for a second, and I'm not giving this addiction another minute of my life. It's robbed me of way too many days already, and with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Ginger C. And uh, Melanie C., followed by John K.
4: Good morning. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. And this gives me another opportunity to be able to, to, to remind myself of that moment at 16 years old that I was walking into a the kitchen after, you know, a few days that I'd been able to get together, just a few days of a, of a new diet plan. And it was one of my favorites. I think I shared this before. It was red licorice and then one eight ounce container of, of, uh, fruit flavored yogurt a day. And, um, I was back and forth into the kitchen I would just gotten out of school and um, my mind was just a wash and this is all in hindsight so I'm sharing it with you so you can can see what this thing does what, how delusional I was that the mind was already crippled at 16 years old for a long time before 16 but this is the view that I have back and forth uh, just back from school. Um, no, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. And then the thought came. Melanie, if you don't do something now, it's going to get harder. And I lived in a community of 400 people, graduating class of 17, 1-7, a logging town and a town of farmers that knew each other. The families have crossed, bread each other because that's all that we were in this town. That's all we ever knew these kinds of people. There was no knowledge about 12 steps. No one talked about alcoholism, and it wasn't a word or a language in those years, in the late 60s. And so I had no idea, but I knew if I didn't get a handle on this, that was the thing, that thing in my gut that I continued to shove food on top of it so it would shut up. And then when I had that thought and that it impacted my heart, like, oh my God, it's so true. I said to myself, so then I'll go ahead and get into the refrigerator and do what it is I'm going to do because tomorrow I won't do it anymore because I just understand the serious nature of this thing and I get it now that's the best that I could do my mind was already that crippled and they're talking about it here long before I got to 16 I was over the line and in the examples I was so crippled and so blinded I call myself in a brownout that I couldn't see that each attempt at diet was never the answer because it in the end it didn't get the result that I was looking for which was continual consistent ability to stay at a good healthy body weight and then feel comfortable in my own skin around people. Those are the two things I, I wanted so much in my, that's all I ever wanted and that's all I ever pursued and that's all I ever got was the opposite of that very thing because I was treating it with the wrong thing. And so my appeal out here is that what we find in these rooms when we really study and, and put our nose into this big book, a guideline for somebody that's like me to be able to live in a parallel life against the disease that will stay in me forever. And I'm hoping that you can hear this And that you won't have to take it down several decades in your life, the road that I had to go down. You can say, oh, my God, a mind's like that. Whether I want to or not, if I just come in and do it, my brain will be transformed. And I will no longer be fighting this thing. That's what my experience has been. As soon as I crossed the threshold, absolutely not even believing that I was an addict, but did what you all did. I have what I have now, a new way of thinking and looking at this world. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Melanie C. John K., followed by Sherry K.B.
6: <clears throat> Thank you. i well, is John Kieran, Recovered compulsive Reader in Los Angeles. Please excuse me. I caught a bad cold after seven hours on a flight back from uh, Tampa. Um, you know, uh, it, it was so interesting to, to read this and to think about this. It triggered uh, a memory of when I, I was coming to my first program, which is AA, and I said to somebody... You know, I'm not sure I'm really an alcoholic, because last year I stopped for about five or six months, and then a couple months ago I stopped for about three weeks, and the guy said to me, you know, John, a person who isn't an alcoholic doesn't have to keep periodically stopping to prove to himself that he's not an alcoholic, and it was, oh boy, that was hard to hear. Um, But now about OA, you know, I, I can tell you out here in Los Angeles, we have a, A young persons committee here, and and, uh, you know, uh, as part of a ready group, and people keep starting young persons meetings and they just keep failing over and over, you know. And it's strange because when I came in, there were a lot more young people, but I think people need to try all of the easier, softer ways first. And because you know, unlike AA, there are thousands of easier, softer ways out there, of course, they don't work for us. Uh, it takes a while to come through the doors of, of a way, and in terms of uh, you know, I think the, the, the food version of what they're talking about here of stopping for a while, for me, a lot of it is within program is the red light, red light, yellow light, green light game that a lot of us play. I always joke that you know ninety percent of people's yellow light foods are actually red light foods that they're they're not admitting and screwing around with. Uh, you know, I do a lot of relapse workshops, and one of the things I get asked a lot when I'm done is okay, you've given us all the theories. Now, how the heck do I actually do this? How do I, how, do, what should I do? And, and this isn't a personal opinion here, please, you know, take this for what it's worth. I tell them start it off as tight as you can, give up all the flour and sugar, and stick to three meals a day, unless, you know, some people are, you know, hypoglycemic or something. And from there, you can look at opening it up later. Wow, do I get resistance on that one? You know, and they'll say, well, uh, uh, you know, and, and mainly because if they don't want to give it all up. They'll be, oh, well, I don't have a problem with this food or that food. And I, I'll say, well, if you don't have a problem with that food, giving it up won't be a problem, right? Um, and the reason I say that is this. You know, uh, Kim G says there are no yellow light foods. The food either triggers a physical allergy or it doesn't. And I agree with that. but. We have to figure out which those ones are and which ones are which. And the only way to do that is to start out. I mean, this is basic, almost like scientific discussion of I got to pull them all out and start trying to enter them back. And gee, did entering this one back all of a sudden make my absence a lot harder? Maybe this is one of these ones that even though I want to tell myself I don't have a problem with, I do. And anyway, that's the whole thing. It's, It's, you know, the bottom line on this paragraph is it's about denial and how, no matter how how long we're around here and here, all this stuff, our denial doesn't go away, and we so desperately need to reach out and have other people uh, to talk to and sponsors to help us with that, and with that, I pass. Thank you,
0: John K., and next is Sherry K.B., followed by Marilyn T.,
7: Good morning, Mo. Good morning, everybody. Sherry K. B. in Northern California. Uh, Very grateful, recovered compulsive overeater, and thanks so much for your service, Mo, and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. Um, Gravely, gravely means deadly and serious. Um, That does not necessarily have to eat a lot or for a long period of time. The quantities that I have in order to be a true compulsive overeater. Another thing it says here we're astonished at the inability to stop. We don't want to be called a compulsive reader, but we're astonished about how we can't stop. So, you know, I know that because of the mental twist and the mental blank spot and uh with my mental obsession. This is all about more about alcoholism is about you know, the mental obsession because my my disease will tell me, well, that's I'm a little different than you. That's okay. Um but I will totally you know, deny, for years I denied that I was a compulsive iretor. I just I, I labeled it everything else but that. Um, and then it says that we look back and we we had gone drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our, our own will. Um, I did so many diets, um, tried so many different things, and still wouldn't give up because of that, that disease, that self-will. And then a scant chance of success, scant meaning inadequate, slight, poor, and then what really jumped out at me this morning that I hadn't noticed before was that it says, we think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry, dry anything like a year. And, you know, I, I remember going to open AA meetings and hearing about the dry drunk. Uh, that was somebody who, who, who was sober by themselves through their self-will without using the steps. Um, and so to me, that reminds me of being white-knuckle abstinent, trying to white-knuckle my abstinent, being unhappy, but abstinent, you know. And if you get in this book and you work the steps, you become recovered, and you're, you're abstinent happily and contently. Wow, what a difference. You know, that's what I would want, and that's what I do have, and you can have that too. And that really jumped out at me today uh, about being like a dry drunk would be like a, Uh, white-knuckle abstinence, um, that trying to recover on my own will when I can't because no human aid can relieve my compulsive overeating but a power greater than myself, and through working these steps, getting unblocked and connecting with my higher power will keep me absent happily and contently, and I've never had that happen before until I did it this way, and so can you. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you Sherry KB and our next reader will be Marilyn T followed by Wendy M.
2: Thank you Mo for your service. This is Marilyn T from California, a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. And the part that I like about it is or that struck me is the gravely the affected. Uh, the, Not understanding how severe the illness was or the denial, the amnesia, the blind spots, I started really, really young. I I can't even remember my first time doing it, but I know as hardly being able to crawl up on a kitchen chair at my grandmother's, sticking a spoon in the sugar jar and just eating it and getting caught by my grandmother and her shock at what I was doing that she found that so repulsive, and I didn't get what was so repulsive about it, but constantly craving food and it never being enough at a very young age and just not being able to put it down. I can remember being ridiculed in school uh, as young as three years, not three years, third grade. Um, You know, um, Marilyn Monroe, why don't you kill yourself? You're so fat. And I could... I I know it hurt. It hurt a great deal, but I would still go home. I would still steal food from our family who were very young and could barely afford it, but I could not stop. I had no um, no human aid could have helped me. That is so true. And then even getting older and getting the knowledge to be able to to know what was going on, self-knowledge, of course, which will avail me not, um starting to go to OA trying restricted ones and uh more restrictive ones than others trying regular OA nothing worked until I came to a vision for you I was very fortunate to be invited to a uh, a meeting in Mountain View and meet some lovely people and and really finally at a time in my life where I got that message and I could actually put down the food that is my alcohol binge food, and receive neutrality, what a concept. No chatter going on in my head. I have a lot more time for my life now. But unless I do a daily basis of this program that I turn my will over to my higher power, whom I call God, I will not receive this. If I don't share it, if I don't try to help someone else, I will not keep it. For this, I am so eternally grateful to this program. I thank you so much, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Marilyn T.
0: And Wendy M. Uh,
8: Yes, good morning, Wendy M. Recovered in Colorado. Happy to be on the line. And um, thank you all for your service, and I thank God for the abstinence I have this morning. Um, So the line that pops out for me is, but try and get them to see it. I love that line Um, because my world until I was 39 years old and walked into a meeting 17 years ago um, was don't even think about trying to get me to see anything. Um, You know, I have the disease of don't diagnose me. Don't get me to see it. Um, I hated anyone who ever tried to tell me I had a problem. I never wanted to hear it. It's like that um, my eyes are closed and I'm nodding my head and I'm holding my hands against my ears. It's like, no, 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 no. I am not going to talk about this, not even once. You know, and it's, you know, don't tell me I have a problem. and Don't tell me anything about myself, not just the food. Don't tell me anything about any character defects. Um, Don't tell me to restrict food. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it as very defensive. Um, You know, I'm running the show And I'm living my own fantasy world and don't burst my little fantasy bubble, you know, just let me live in this very locked in bondage to self experience, you know, eating food and eating food and eating food, you know, just do not comment, you know, I I was in a closed down system, Um, I didn't want to look at it, obviously, You know, and a couple of times people dared to bring up the subject with me. I, I, like, lost a ton of weight in college, and then I just put it back very quickly, and my RA actually said something to me, and that's just, like, dread. It's like, what is she talking about? And I knew exactly what she was talking about. And another time, and these are my 20s. I'm in a bookstore. My mom shows me a book about, you know, whatever, fat, food, didn't matter, and I burst into tears. That was the first time I really ever even talked to my mom about this issue. Was when she showed me a book, um, you know. But but my my system was shut down. There was no way I was ready. And you know, we're not ready until we're ready. Fifteen years in OA eating, and saying I'm abstinent. You know, we're ready when we're ready. It's true. Um, and I thank God every day that I was ready two years ago um, to put it all down and to talk about it. Because step one is. Let's talk about it. I've got a problem, and that brings me freedom immediately—a freedom I never had before. Um, you know, and a few people, brave souls that they were. One guy would—he came up behind me, held me, and said, "What's going on?" You know, and um, it was like dread, but it was also like he plant—he planted a seed. He's like, "There's something going on." And that's all I'm going to say is what's going on. And he let me diagnose myself, if you will. But still, it was just dreadful. You know, I was living in denial, as as many people have said here. And um, so just admitting that I had a problem gave me the freedom, right, and looking at it in a way that I've never looked at it before, which was through Vision for You, um, Big Book Study. Um, And I have to just share with you guys that, like, God is a reminder okay, just God is working through me so powerfully right now. He's calming me down. He's having me pause. And he's having me treat people with respect and love in a way I've never done it before. So thanks. Appreciate the time. And I pass.
0: Thank you, Wendy M. And we will now open the uh, lines up for more who would like to share on uh, page 33 and 34. Deborah P., Deborah P. Another Deborah P. Another Deborah P. <laughs> Deborah Esther P. F. Esther F. Ashley P. Ashley.
5: P. Katrine H.
0: Katrine H. Two more. Two more. Anyone else?
5: Ann B. Kathy Jo P. Ann B.
0: And Kathy Jo P. Okay, we'll stop there. And we have Deborah P., a second Deborah P., Esther F., Ashley P., Katrine H., Ann B., and Kathy Jo P. Will number one Deborah P start, and number two be ready? Thank you.
9: Hi, this is Deborah P from uh, northern California S- compulsive overeater, definitely compulsive overeater. So glad to be on this line this morning. Oh my gosh, so I was just talking to a friend of mine last night about this about um this just so hits me hard, especially that um uh certain drinkers would be who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics or astonished at their inability to stop um we who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential alcoholics amongst young where is it oh sorry young people everywhere but try to get them to see it you know i was in i was in oa for tw- i had 12 years of abstinence and i threw it away well i didn't throw it away i i picked up the food and then for God, I don't even know how many years I tried to control it and I tried this and I tried that and I tried this and I tried that. And um and I had a really good friend who um who was in OA and she would just she was so gentle with me and and so loving and she would bring it up every once in a while. Do you ever think about coming back? And I'm like, oh no, this is working for me and you know, and it and it wasn't working for me. But I I I wanted to believe that all of these other things Um, I could try, and, um, and then finally, you know, God just, God just worked on me, because um, just the way that I ended up at vision just blows my mind, how I run into a friend, and she tells me about vision, and I had heard about it before, but, um, you know, and I kept praying to God, like, I know, I don't, I know that this other facet of OA is not where i belong but god just please help me guide me tell me what to do and um and then i find vision and i'm reading this book and i'm seeing myself all over it where i never saw myself before and I, i'm blown away it's like i'm reading a a new book i've n- i've never seen some of this stuff before ever and um and, you know, it was my path, and I don't regret any of it because it led me to where I am today. And I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful for that friend who prayed for me every single day, three times a day for the last two years for me to find my way. Um, I'm just so, oh, God, I am just so grateful this morning. And this meeting, I listened to the other meeting, and, um, I'm just I'm just blown away. So um, that's it for me, Deborah P. Grateful alcoholic and compulsive overeater, and I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Deborah P. Deborah P. Two, followed by Esther F.
10: Hello, this is Deborah P. Two, checking in. Um, Grateful, um, recovering overeater. And um, I appreciate people sharing some of the specifics of what their disease looked like. And someone was talking earlier about um, how they would kind of every day say, oh, well, I'm going to start tomorrow because this is, you know, this is just today and for sure tomorrow's going to be the day. And I don't know how many times I've done that just over and over and over. And I remember – when I fr- I came into actually another program, even though I realized that food was my main main issue. Um, when I first got here, I kind of thought this is like crazy. This is a cult. People are like, this is magical. And um, one woman said, I come here and feel bathed in sanity. And I'm like, okay. Um, but I think the thing that really hit me like a ton of bricks when they started reading was the part about the person that seems to be um, constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And even, you know, they seem to have been born that way. And that was the part that I was like, wow, you know, is that me? Because every single day, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month saying, okay, well, this is the very last day. I you know, I'm not gonna do this anymore ever again. And of course the following day would be the exact same thing. So um yeah, so I'm just very grateful to be here. And um, you know, I I feel that I'm back on track for today and just um thanking God I can hopefully get through this next twenty four hours. Thank you very much. I passed.
0: Thank you, Deborah P. Esther F. followed by Ashley P. Good morning, Mo. Hi, everyone.
11: This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, for me, I would say, but try to get them to see it or honest with self. So um, maybe three and a half years ago, I was doing this very wonderful program through the Cleveland Clinic um, and Uh, It's wonderful for somebody who isn't me, but there was a psychologist that was involved and um, first day we went around the room, it was a group thing, went around the room talking about our relationship with food, and I said, well, you know, I'm a binge eater, and she asked me straightforward if I had ever been treated for binge eating disorder, and I looked at her, and she didn't know it, but I kind of copped an attitude like, no, no. No, I've never been treated for binge eating disorder. And I had just told her that I was a binge eater. But yet I had, was in total and complete denial that I was a binge eater. So six come, come six months later, and I started um, having conversations with myself, the chatter that goes on, and I realized that, oh, my God, okay, okay. I think I'm a binge eater. Okay. I mean, what was I thinking? I remember as a child – Thinking that I, I actually told somebody that I had the same thing that an alcoholic had with food, but I didn't know about Overeaters Anonymous. And um, same thing, I work with a guy who who's in an AA, and we would talk about, you know, this what we both had in common. And yet, I knew it, but I didn't know it. So talking about being in denial. So. Thankfully, when I finally realized that I might have a program, I went to my doctor who sent me to um, a, a, a psychologist's office. And this is this uh, wonderful woman who also was an overeater, turned me on to a vision. And I am so, so thankful today for a vision and the people in a vision because um, I can say that I've been recovered now for a while and I am oh so grateful. So thank you. With that, I pass
0: uh thank you Esther F and Ashley P followed by Katrine H.
12: Hi, this is Ashley P. recovered in Northern California. Can I be heard?
0: Yes, you can
12: Good morning everybody uh and thank you, Mo and everybody else for for your service. I'm really, really grateful to be on the line today um, yeah, so just similarly to what a lot of people have said i'm just i'm I'm reading these paragraphs and Um, and I'm, I'm thinking of the fact that I have had been in this disease since I was five years old. And and one of the initial reasons why I I found it so difficult to to do step work or or to think about gaining a higher power was because of how long, um, I had been in the disease. Um, also, no, I totally forgot to set my timer. If you can look at it for
0: me yeah
12: thank you um and uh i was sitting with a sponsee this weekend and 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 talking about uh, all of those years and um uh the the things that i do to um maintain my abstinence today today like Um, prepping my food and and looking online at a menu and and always asking um, if there's uh, the ingredients that I am allergic to um, when I go out to dinner and and I could uh, I could see her face fall that you know these were some of the things that um, she was going to have to do to maintain her abstinence and um, so two things that it made me think of that i I just you know I wasn't ready to do these things and, until I was ready to do these things um and i and I wasn't ready to do them when I was younger and because of that i I was out of the rooms and and I was in my eating disorder for many many more years but when I did come into the rooms um and when I um began working these steps um I was really ready and and willing and desperate, absolutely desperate to do it. And, um, because of the years that were out, uh, I could sit down with her and say, this is what I went through. These are the hardships that I went through. This is, this is what all of those years looked like. And it was a lot of pain. And, um, and these are the different things that I did and, and this is what it felt like. And, um, what I'm saying is I can share my experience with somebody else. I can share my strength and hope, but but the first part about sharing experience, strength and hope is experience. So I guess I, I'm able to look at those years a little bit differently now and, and realize that they have given me the gift to be able to work with other compulsive, compulsive overeaters and, um, and, and talk about recovery with them. Um, because I can certainly identify in over and over and over again. And when I identify in, I can, um, there's a chance, you know, for them to identify in as well. So as much as it would have been great if I, you know, had had come in in my teens, um, I came in in my mid-30s. A
0: reminder.
12: And, um, and I'm able to do some really great work with sponsors because of that, so I'm trying to cultivate gratitude. Um, and with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Ashley P., Katrine H., followed by Ann B. Uh, I don't know if we'll get to you, Kathy Joe P., but we'll see. Thank you. Katrine H.
13: Hi, this is Katrine H. in Vermont. Mo, if you would time me, I'd really appreciate it, because I don't have a timer, and yes. thank you for your service. Um, I am really appreciating this meeting today. Um, I'm one of those people that, as the book says, try to get me to get that I'm an overeater. Try to get me to get that I'm an alcoholic. Whatever it is, try to get me to get it. I don't want to get it. And um, for years, I'm just struck by. First of all, I'm just struck by the miracle of being abstinent. I am so, so, so struck still by that. I'm, I'm, I'm coming into my sixth month of abstinence. Abstinence. I am in my fifth month, I think, and um, I am utterly grateful. And I was, you know, like other people had said, I don't know exactly how young I was when I started um, taking the jar of marshmallow fluff out of the cabinet and eating it with a spoon, hoping nobody would catch me. But I think I was pretty young, maybe six, seven, eight, maybe. Don't really know. But also, I got into I had a friend in OA and I started getting into OA sometime in the nineties and literally it took me until two thousand seventeen to to be willing to accept and take God's help and become abstinent and I am amazed that I am so stubborn and so pig headed and so um wedded to the disease that you know, I I I knew that I had the and knew I had the disease on some level, but I wouldn't admit that I was a compulsive overeater. No, I would admit that I would go buy sugar every time I went into Walmart or, you know, go buy, you know, say I wasn't going to do sugar and then go do sugar and then say it again and then go do it again and say it again and do it again. You know, I knew that, I could see it. I didn't want to see it, and I didn't want to, but I didn't also want to admit to being a compulsive overeater. Well, I finally have admitted to that, and I'm so grateful. And I'm on step four, so I'm still a newcomer. But thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Katrine H. And Ann B. as next, followed by Kathy Jo P. If you each take about two minutes, I think we can fit you both in. Thank you.
14: Hi, Sam. Ann uh, B. Um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, abstinent and programmed for 13 years. And um, when I was a newcomer, I remember that Chapter 3 was the part of the big book that I related to most clearly. And because I, I could see the the whole concept of the insanely trivial excuse um, appearing in my life, and, and I related to this business of keep it continuing to find myself eating after I had told myself I was going to stop eating my trigger foods. And i um, it's still the chapter that I tell newcomers if they can't relate to the alcoholic part of the book that this is the one that um, they should start with because I feel that program really is directed toward the mental obsession to, to, and and getting rid of the mental obsession, and 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 you have to understand that part of it in order to understand what program is doing. And I I so I particularly do still think this is um, the par- the the chapter that I like to start newcomers with, rather than starting with the Bill story, which is about alcoholics, because this one seems to, to me it it's the one I relate to best and. Um, I'm really grateful that there's a meeting focusing on the big book here, and um, I, uh, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Ann B. And we have time for you, Kathy Jo P. You'll close us out.
5: Did you call for me? This is Kathy Jo P.
0: Yes, I did.
5: Okay, Kathy Jo P. A recovered compulsive reader in Minneapolis, Minnesota who um, was hopeless and did not want to be here and wanted to pretend like I didn't be here, needed to be here at 303 pounds. I joke about myself as being the emperor, emperor with no clothes on. I was running around naked, wanting people to pretend like I wasn't naked, wanting people to pretend like I wasn't 303 pounds and that I wasn't a complete jerk on an ongoing basis. I was the one that sat in the car while my husband unloaded the car at the cabin and carried things up the hill and bossed everybody to hurry up and get it done. And I did have a friend say, Kathy Jo, what is going on? You can't act like that. you got to carry your load. And I dismissed her. I had a chiropractor say to me, I would do anything I could to help you, but I don't think you're going to listen to me. And she started crying. My homeopath said, I can't help you if you don't help yourself. And my cousin said, you're killing yourself getting those potatoes. Those were like five people that said something in 22 years. Not even my doctor ever said anything. And with each little thing that they said, somehow or another, God got me back in these rooms. And I want to say today, not only is it a miracle that I will have two years abstinence in June and I'm down in 106 pounds, the miracle is that I'm okay not having the sugar and I am happy as hell. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Well, thank you, Kathy P. And uh, we will now close. Uh, I want to thank all those who shared today. And um, thank you for your service. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, Will um, Sherry K.B., please read Our Book is Meant to Be Suggestive Only.
7: Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.